All right, I'd like to start off by giving out a special thanks to James Whitmarsh for noticing the dead air at the end of the previous episode. Would never have noticed on my own, and thanks to you, we were able to fix it. Over a hill and under a misty mountain, deep within the unceded Musqueam territory of Vancouver, British Columbia, I'm Doug Vandalay with another episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist and pester me at Doug Vandalay. Hello to everybody listening on CITR 101.9 here for the first 30 minutes of the show. My guest last week was named Kevin, so I only had to find and replace two letters in my notes. I'm joined today by comedian Gavin Clarkson. How's it going, Gavin? Uh, hello, I'm glad it could be convenient for you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always nice. I usually have a few he's and she's swapped around the wrong yeah, way. Just find and replace. Notes. I've done full intros for the wrong guests before that uh, <laughs> uh, none of the listeners have had the misfortune of hearing. But for the listeners who don't know, how would you describe your particular brand of comedy? Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I grew up in a small town. Uh, I grew up in Whitehorse, Yukon. And I didn't start comedy until I was down in Vancouver. So a lot of it kind of came from that. Uh, it was a lot of just small town experiences uh, and how they apply it to the sort of big city life and the juxtaposition there. And I guess my style overall as it developed just became, I liked being fun. I liked being fun and light and charming and endearing. I never really wanted to make anyone uncomfortable. I was never really kind of the edgy comic or anything like that. I just wanted to enjoy myself on stage and hope the people in front of me enjoyed their evening. Uh, did you say just then you were from White Rock? A white horse. White horse is the what Yukon, I meant. Yeah. I don't know why I said white rock, because I've got it written down right in front of me. Uh, <laughs> and friend of the show, Eric Yovanovich, is from there as well. I don't know if you know him. I don't know how big of a town it is. Uh, I used to get offended when I first moved down here, and people would be like, "Ah, oh, you're from Whitehurst. Do you know this guy? And they'd be like, that's a town of 30,000 people. What are the chances that I might? And then I usually knew that guy, so I stopped getting mad. I don't know this guy, though. I oh, don't there you believe. go. Yeah. We're from a town of about 1.6 million, and... I reckon it's about a 50-50 chance that when people say, do you know this person from Perth, that I've met them before. Yeah, it's not bad. It happens. Do you have any stories about growing up in Whitehorse? Oh, uh, just your kind of standard northern uh, small town stuff. Just every weekend would the quest would be trying to find a bonfire in the middle of the woods. And if you couldn't find a bonfire in the middle of the woods, you started that bonfire in the middle of the woods. And I have seen far too many close calls involving drunk people playing with gasoline, which I think that anybody who's lived in a community north of 60 can confidently say that they've seen at least one ambulance show up for a burn victim. North of 60, that's the 60th parallel? Yeah, sorry, 60th right. parallel. Oh, that's I'm, how we I'm say sure, it in the hood. I'm sure more of the listeners would know than me, but I'm, I have no idea what parallel we're at, but like three or something. It, yeah, we're... it's lower-ish. 40, maybe? <laughs> Not three, yeah. No, no, I mean, when I say we, I meant Perth. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. If, if, uh, Jamie, if you want to bring that up on the screen. See, that's embarrassing for me. I should have known 49th. I just threw out 40 being like, yeah, we're about 20 away from the Yukon, probably. I only know 49 for Vancouver because of the brewing company, 49th Parallel. Ooh, yeah, that's a good, that, that's a coinkydink right there. Yeah. I bet that's not by design at all. Tell us about winning the 2016 Laugh Lines comedy competition. Oh, that one was a lot of fun. Uh, the Laugh Lines is a small comedy club in New Westminster, and they haven't done one since, but they decided to put on a comedy competition in the summer. And in the summers is when a lot of clubs put on comedy competitions because uh, attendance is low because people like being outside and the days are long. And so to encourage people to come in, they throw these contests where... Almost anybody can submit, 
and typically 10% of them are actually comedians, and the other 90% manage to bring in all their friends to support them on the first couple of rounds, and then they manage to get their audience. So Laugh Lines did one of those, and instead of a cash prize like a lot of the clubs uh, do every year, they decided to make it more interesting, and their prize was sending the main uh, the winning comedian down to Las Vegas to compete in the World Series of Comedy there. So I got to do that one. That was pretty neat. I went. I was top of pretty much each round there. And then the finals were in their big Columbia Theater, uh, which is not the movie theater, which is now a strip club in New West, though those often get confused. Uh, it's the Columbia Theater downstairs from Laugh Lines. And yeah, it was this great big finale. And the greatest part about that was that it was mostly judged. It was a little bit of audience. And literally the next week I was getting married. So my wedding was the weekend following that show. And so not only did I have not have a good set, I had a good set, but I also had a great portion of the audience was in town to go to my wedding. So I had a pretty thickened audience in my favor, which was nice. And yeah, I managed to pull it out. The judges liked me. And then I got to go down to Las Vegas for a week to attend the World Series of Comedy. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to compete in it because just the way the club organized things, they didn't manage to get it together in time before the submissions were due. But I got to take a trip down there, showcase for some talent bookers, and it was a fantastic trip all around. Uh, so that was pretty good for your career, though? Honestly, it didn't make a huge difference because uh, the first thing, it was pretty early into my comedy career. I think I'd only been doing it for a couple years at that point. And... I didn't have any papers to work in the United States. And that's the first question that you're going to get from any booker who sees you. Because the talent, like the some of the scouts out there and some of the club owners that saw my set liked me. But the first question they would ask is, do you have your papers? And if you don't, they don't even want to talk to you. Because it's no one's going to sponsor you across. That's way too expensive of a process. And they're not about to try to smuggle you across as an illegal worker. Is it the same thing where it's a lottery for a green card as with any run-of-the-mill immigrant it's a bit different with uh, comedians and entertainers i'm not a big expert on it but uh as far as i understand it you need to prove you either need to pay a good amount of money for a lawyer to do all the paperwork for you that's called sponsoring yourself uh have a company sponsor you or prove that you are significant in your field you might even have to do that anyway you need to prove that you're a significant performer in your field through uh, major competition or TV credits, and you need a lot of them in order for them to even sniff at you, and in order to get any sort of that paperwork through. So it's really challenging as a Canadian entertainer, and I think it's why so many Canadian, like so Canadians, are kind of famous for their comedy. We have so many good comics coming out there, like some Canadian comics, yeah. Jim Carrey. Yeah, like Jim Carrey and uh, uh, Mike McDonald, and a lot of famous Canadian comics. And Canada is seen as such a great exporter of comedians, simply because, in my opinion, it's so hard to get through to the states where the actual entertainment industry is that any chafe gets filtered out. In order for you to work legally in the States, you need to become the best of the best. At least that's kind of how I look at it. I don't see it as a coincidence that Canada puts out so many top-tier comedians and the challenge of working in the States is so high. I think that kind of acts as a big filter. Now, do you need to have a specific, and I, I know you said you're not an expert in it, but do you need to have a specific paper to work as a comedian down there? Or if you were somehow to be able to get a visa to work 
I don't know, as a laborer or something, could you also work at a club? Like no. And, and in fact, it's a bit fuzzy. I don't think you can even perform at an open mic because your visa is very specific to the job that you're there for. And any sort of performance whatsoever is seen as taking it potentially out of the hands of an American entertainer or worker. So working visas are very specific. You couldn't just kind of get your foot in the door with like some unrelated job and then use that to slip in through to the entertainment industry. If you've heard, we, I've heard of Canadian comics up here that have had like 10, 20 year bands from the States for performing once down in the, down the States and getting like 50 bucks cash out of it. And the borders somehow got wind of that and then gives you a banned from the states from entry for years wow i guess that's even getting worse now it's kind of apropos of uh we're recording today on november 6 uh which is the the voting date for the midterms down there in the uh in the south where were we do you still or did you ever host double down oh duh, double down comedy yeah I, I had a nebulous link when i when i googled you <laughs> uh yeah double down where was double down double down was uh that one was in North Van. I hosted that one a bit. I mostly just did spots in it. That one was... Can't, I'm not even sure if that one's on right now. I don't believe it is. But Double Down was, I believe, in a little cub, club in North Van uh, that went through a couple of different uh, owners on there. And it was, it was a pretty fun one, but it was just a little bit of a journey to get to North Van. And it was in this weird little industrial area. What was the name of the club? Uh, the bar. I'll have to look that up. We'll edit that in. But... Uh, uh, well, if it springs to mind, I'll uh, jankily edit it in right here. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I don't want to. If it is still running or has a chance of running, I certainly don't want to leave it out. I want to support the local show. Now, it is in this weird industrial area kind in, in North Van, which was somehow always managed to get out a crowd. Like typically when I was there, anyway, there was one or two that was canceled due to low attendance. But the uh, most part, when I was out there. Always had a crowd going. I don't know where that came from. It didn't really seem to be near anywhere. Like I said, just kind of seemed to be this kind of weird industrial area uh, just up from the water. But you can get comedy shows happening in the weirdest places sometimes. What was the premise of that show? That one was not really a theme or premise to it. Finch and Barley, I think it was called. I think that's what the bar was called. Finch and Barley? Finch and Barley. Okay. A real English pub kind of name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and didn't really have a theme to it. That one was just sort of an, uh, I call them weekly shows. It just a weekday evening show uh, where there's typically six or seven comedians on it, varying anywhere from like kind of beginner to pro-am to uh, professionals working stuff out, and then one paid headliner. And that's kind of the standard template for most of the weekly shows in town. And you can find one of those almost any night of the week uh, these days, especially now that the summer's over and it's kind of now comedy season. Uh, that's uh, one of the things I like best about Vancouver since I moved here is you can go see comedy or improv any night of the week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The The scene here is incredible. There's lots of opportunity. I found the scene to be very supportive. There's there, Everyone gets their own little groups and everything, but that's natural with people. They form their own friend groups. They like to do things together. Uh, but I don't find it overly cliquey. I found a lot of opportunity here, and I think it's a fantastic place to bring up comedians. And we brought up uh, some phenomenal comedians that are going to go really far. Ivan Decker, he's from here, came up here. He just won uh, first Juno Award for a comedy album in decades. And uh, Gavin Matz, he just moved down to Los Angeles. He won Sirius XM's top comic from here. And uh, the list goes on. There's so many local talents here that uh, I think are going to go remarkably far. Yeah, Ivan's great. We talked to him last season as the last episode i think he's in vancouver right now yeah yeah he he comes in and out so i'm, ne- I'm never really able to pin him down but 
I'll see him at shows. His schedule sounds pretty busy. He does like a four days on, three days off thing, like a minor. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I want to talk to you about the art on your website. For Oh, yeah. For the viewers, go check that out. Your website is uh, it's GavinClarkson.ca? GavinClarksonComedy.com. GavinClarksonComedy.com. I, I think it's also your Twitter banner. Yeah. It's uh, what appears to be Gavin wearing what you're wearing right now, this... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> leather jacket with the uh, fur, fur collar yeah um, on a or sheepskin i should say let's not get any uh blood throwers yeah my world war ii pilot jacket yeah well i mean i thought it was like kind of like an indiana jones sort of throwback mm-hmm. anyway riding a mammoth with a sword uh, <laughs> what's the story with that oh that one's fun uh that drawing on my website it's one of my favorites i was drawn by a, a local comedian and all, all around swell fella named jesse daniel he's an art teacher at bcit and uh that drawing is based on a photograph that I took in Whitehurst during one of my trips up there. Uh, I was visiting some friends and family doing a couple shows around town, and Whitehurst has what's called the Beringia Center, which is a museum devoted to uh, woolly mammoths, uh, like saber-tooth, so all the kind of old-school Ice Age animals and fossils. And It's a neat place, but uh, if you grew up in Whitehurst, you went there as a field trip like every year for your entire life. So I've gotten the layout memorized decades later, and I, I can't step foot in it at all. But outside of it is these giant, like, full uh, statues of woolly mammoth and, like, little baby woolly mammoth. And the woolly mammoth is rearing up and looks super cool. And I decided to go and do a photo shoot out there because this was my idea of a good entertainment headshot was getting on, like dressing up kind of like Mad Max with no shirt, leather jacket, belts crossed across my chest with like a big knife. And then I happened to have a Lord of the Rings sword because of course I did. Who doesn't have one of those laying around? And I managed to scramble onto the back of this. It's probably like 20 feet tall. And yeah, I just rode the woolly mammoth and I got some really cool pictures out of it that I was super proud of. And then uh, we, my wife commissioned Jesse the artist to make a couple, uh, what's the term for a couple draw illustrations based on it. And I'm absolutely stoked how they came out. I look like I'm in, what's that Disney movie? Oh, I'm blanking on the name. Sorry. <laughs> Lion King. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's also uh, sort of Land of the Lost look to it. Anyway, who was the name of that artist? Uh, Jesse Daniel. And he's a comedian as well? Yes, he's a comedian as well. And he teaches art at BCIT. Cool. If this is putting you on the spot, feel free to say no and we'll cut it out. Yep. Can we hear the alphabet aerobics? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, (laughs) I might be able to throw that off, just off the top. Uh, If you want a second to prepare or anything. uh, I've got it reasonably memorized. Sure, like just a cappella or something? Okay, yeah. Uh, I I do enjoy doing that one, so I'll try it. (laughs) Should I provide context? (laughs) No, I think it's better to just do it. All right. We can talk about it after. Okay, let's see see if I can can do this just off the cuff. All right. Ant-Man's actions accepted by Avengers. Aquaman's abilities are a little stranger. Batman beats back baddies and back alleys. But Bane's beat down broke bats badly. Can't calculate so many captains collecting. America, Marvel, Planet, and Adam. Did Deadpool dig directly from Deathstroke? Decoding differences is damaging, so please don't. Electro emits extreme energy. Endures excess electricity. Flashes fast foot and this is famous and frantic. Firefly flares is a fiery fanatic. Gambit galvanizes game cards greatly. Green 
Green Goblin, Goad Squirts, at Gwen Stacy, Hit Him High, Hawkeye, Incredible Hulk, Holocaust, Harbinger's Holler, Hail Hydra, Iron Man, Ingenious, Insubordinate, Isolates an Idol with Ion Ordinates, Joker Jabs, Juvenile, Japes, and Jess, Jumps Justice like a juggernaut, bitch, Killer Croc couldn't kick cracking skin out of core, Killer Frost is one cold cretin, Lizard Lab made him like an alligator, Loki's lies lure in, Lackeys for his labors, Magneto's maniacal, Max is magnetic, Mystique makes mockeries, don't you forget it, Nightcrawler's a natural, Noble Teleporter, Nightwing's nocturnal, Dark Knight's former, Oracle, Operations Outwit Enemies, Origins and Outrage, he Overcomes Your Oddities, Punisher, Pommels People to a Pulp, Particularly Partial to Parts of Blow Up, Quicksilver Moves and Quotes Quips Quickly, Quashes Quarlers with Speed Ability, Rorschach Rages, Rails Against Riff Raff, Rod and Rolls Rough, Really? Lesser Half, Spider-Man, Sing Silk Strancy Stalking, Superman Steely Strength is Shocking, Thanos the Titan, Thoughts are Tortured, Thortex Threats and Treats him a Thunder, Ultron, Ultimately Unhuman, Erd is an Uplift, an Unfair Utopian, Venom Vacillates, Victim or Villain, Fallen Vulgar, Vrocious Veteran, Wolverine, Wait as War with No Weakness, Wields with a Wets, It's a Whip from His Fist, Charles Xavier, X-Men Savior, Extinguishes, Xenophobic Behavior, Yellow Jacket Yields a Sting Like Yao, Yellow Suit Used for Money and Power, Zatanna Zany, Zips out with Magic, She's a Closing Hero, and That's a Bit Tragic. Wow. <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe you managed to, uh, to do that. I was sweating towards the end. Like, yeah, I know. Oh, you think I wasn't? I'm just like, oh, I've made it so far. I don't want to do it again. I felt like out of breath. Well, the, the hard part's over. We can we can chill from here. Uh, all right. Uh, so what's this? What's the story with that one? Uh, that that one's a uh, uh, a rap based on Black Alicious Alphabet Aerobics uh, that I put a twist to with comic books. And uh, the idea came from a show, I believe it's monthly, uh, it's, it's a bit intermittent, it's a little mountain gallery on Maine and 27th called, uh, yeah, Weird Al Karaoke, and it challenges comedians to write a parody song based on a song of their choice. And I only done, I only had done it like uh, once, but the idea that struck me was like, what if I took all these comic book characters that I know so well and apply them to a song that is just not like me at all, like the, the complete... Uh, contrast between my appearance and my geek demeanor and then that song, which is just awesome and like a classic rap song, I thought was a really fun idea. Uh, So I had to write it all, which didn't take too long because like I I knew these characters pretty well. I also had Wikipedia to help me with like an alphabetized list of superheroes to go through and try to rhyme together. And then I had to teach myself how to rap it, which was a lot of yelling in the car and into a mirror, which was a lot of fun. How long did it take you to memorize that one? Uh, a week or so. I think I had it written about a week before the show. And then, to be fair, at the show, I did it off of a sheet of paper. But I liked it so much, and it did so well, that I've made it kind of a regular staple in my act, which is why it comes to me so easily now. Well, the version I saw, uh, you weren't reading off a sheet of paper, but you did have a binder full of visual aids. Yeah, yeah, I've got uh, a binder that I flipped through. Because I, I liked the that has the an image of each of the characters that I say on it. There's two per sheet, so I flip one no, one per uh, per letter of the alphabet, and that was inspired by uh, I think one of the Tonight shows. They had um, Daniel Radcliffe on there, and they had him do alphabet aerobics, and I think it was Jimmy Fallon was in the background, and he was like flipping the cards off for each letter of the alphabet. And I said I like that visual appeal, but it's just going to be me. So I put it all into a three ring binder, and then I just flip through it, holding it up when I'm on stage. It's kind of like a subterranean homesick blues yeah that yeah. too yeah very much like that or to stay on brand uh bob by weird al yankovic yeah <laughs> hey what what a, what a tie-in there uh weird al karaoke <laughs> so what's your favorite room in vancouver to perform in Ooh, uh hmm 
That's such a good question. There's so many. Um, there's a few different categories, I guess I would say. Uh, my favorite club to perform at uh, out of the major clubs in town would be the Comedy Mix on Burrard Street. That one's a blast. The, it's always packed, They no matter what time of year it is or what day, and it uh, the, they always manage to fill it out, and the audience is always super hot. Like I've never had a bad set there. and I've never managed to get in there, which kind of speaks volumes. <laughs> yeah, we have, we're very particular with our clientele there. <laughs> yeah, so the condom- so it's not the accent, it's the glasses. Anyway. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I, I can get in with glasses, but I, I couldn't if I had the accent, too. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's a combo that just doesn't fly there. I guess two plus two. Yeah, no, it doesn't work. Uh, so that's my favorite club. Favorite open mic uh, would be, it used to be uh, at a place called Seven Dining Lounge called Stand Up and Deliver. And that was my favorite place to develop for a long time. It got uh, renovated. The building was torn down. And then it, the owners moved it to a place in Kitsilano. So it's still around in spirit at a restaurant called Sharky uh, in Kits. And it's at Wednesdays at 8, I believe. And it's still probably one of my favorite places to go out and develop. It's just further away from me than it was before. So I don't get out there as often as I'd like to. Uh, so that's a very excellent one. And then favorite weekly. I think I'll go with Full Pint Comedy. That's one I don't get to do as often. Uh, but it's absolutely phenomenal. It's a weekly show on Tuesdays at uh, Granville Island, but late at night, so all the families have left. So it's just you and Granville Island Brewery. That's where they host it in. And the backdrop is kind of neat. They have a stage set up in front of all the old like boilers and big steel vats that they use for breweries. So it's really kind of unique location. And they have excellent beer and food specials. And it is, yeah, I think one of the, my one of the most uh, fun shows that I've been. And it's run by... Uh, James Kennedy, Colin Sharp, and Ryan Williams, and uh, James and Colin are were the uh, minds behind uh, King's Head, which for the longest time was one the other best uh, comedy show in town. But again, that place got renovated; they had to move out of there, and now they're at Grandpa Island Brewing, and they've done great things with that show. So, uh, full pint. What night is that on? Tuesdays. Okay, I'm gonna have to. Uh, oh damn, Tuesday is my recording night. I might have to change that soon because I love that Granville Island Winter Ale. Yeah. No sponsor, but I don't know. Let's see if we can change that. Uh, <laughs> go see. Have, go see some comedy. Drink some Winter Ale. Yeah, and they have giant full pints for only five fifty. Wow. Oh my god. Yeah. If you're in Vancouver and you haven't tried that Winter Ale, yeah, it's good. I I almost don't like it anymore because of how much I've, it does that to me too yeah. at, at every time before i have it again when it's a new season i'm just like i'm pretty sure i have over this but then i sip it and it's christmas again and it's my favorite thing it's like the uh the whistler chestnut as well that's Ooh. that's pretty div- divisive i haven't had that one yeah give it a try it's pretty full flavored mm. oh speaking of actually you were on a uh a podcast slash youtube show called beer me yeah yeah that that one that's my absolute favorite uh, Beer Me is a phenomenal YouTube show. I've been on it twice now. Uh, one of my favorite shows on YouTube, like just bar none, and I'm, I'm honored to be a part of every time. It's hosted by uh, Dave Harris and Trevor Lawless, and they're my favorite people to hang out and drink with, uh, especially Dave, because if you don't know Dave Harris, he's another comedian in town and is just the most adorable cherub of a human being in the world. You just want to fold him up and put him in your back pocket and have him say positive things to you all day. He's just the best. And they host um, 
this beer show where they take each take a six pack and drink one six pack for each of the categories and rate it on the categories and then they'll have guests like me on uh, to talk about them. And my favorite part of every episode is when they get to the downability grade, which is how easy it is to shotgun this beer. And then you get to watch Dave struggle to shotgun a beer for like a minute and a half every time. It doesn't matter what beer it is, Dave can't shotgun to save his life, and I find it the most adorable thing in the world. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I'm going to have to watch some of that. Oh, no. Maybe we can get them in here as well. That'd be great. Yeah. Hi, I'm Talia Murdoch, and I'm here to find out if you've ever asked yourself... Why Superman and Batman fight? Or why Batman needs Robin in the first place? Get answers to these questions and more in the Everything Economics series about superheroes on the Cave Goblin Network. For anyone on CITR, thanks so much for tuning in. That's the end of our time slot, but you can hear the full episode along with other podcasts on cavegoblins.com. For anyone else, stick around. We've still got lots more to talk about with Gavin. Now, before the show, I asked Gavin about a comedic influence to talk about today, and he came back with Leslie Nielsen. So what does he mean to you? Uh, Leslie Nielsen was a big part of growing up because like I grew up in Whitehorse. I grew up without cable. Uh, so I kind of came a little later to the stand-up game. I didn't have any of the late shows. I didn't have uh, Comedy Central or any of those things to go off of. I mostly just had rental movies. And my favorite uh, movies, which really introduced me to comedy, were the Leslie Nielsen films. I think the some of the earliest ones I remember were Police Squad, uh, airplane and then Dracula dead and loving it, which was a Mel Brooks film he did. And, uh, it just, I loved the deadpan delivery. Cause as a little kid, like I always liked being goofy and like playing around with my friends and like, like, like giggling with each other, but I'd never seen such a serious and somber looking adult say the most absolutely hysterical things like they weren't. And that contrast really got to me and really struck me as a comedian. And I absolutely loved his complete deadpan delivery from this very, like, serious-looking actor, and, like, he wasn't in on the joke. And I found that phenomenal about every one of his movies. Uh, it's interesting you say that. I mean, he only got into comedy acting quite late in his career. I mean, we've only seen him in comedy films with the uh, trademark white hair. and Yeah. Uh, well, because he was a serious actor, and then he was cast as the... Uh, deadpan Dr. Rumack in, um, is that right? Dr. Rum- Dr. Rumack in, uh, yeah, an airplane. In airplane. And, uh, delivering obviously the, probably one of the most famous lines in comedy history, the, um, I am serious and don't call me Shirley. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some of the, uh, well, later when I figured out kind of when I was old enough to start appreciating comedy and look more into that, I found the Police Squad series, which is what the Naked Gun movies, uh, were turned, uh, like, came from. And it was a short-lived TV show with uh, the same... He's playing the same character as the Naked Gun movies in the same sort of comedy. And some of my favorite just non-sequitur one-liners are from that show. Like, I think one of my favorites was he, they were investigating uh, a kidnapping or something like that. And Leslie Nielsen, is his, his character's partner, comes in. And uh, he's holding this uh, window frame. And he's just like, he's like, we, I felt, we got a note from the kidnappers. It was tied to this window and thrown into the rock garden. And just ridiculous things like that, and then uh, I think he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, we're gonna we send it to the lab. Uh, they're they are demanding six million dollars. And Leslie Nielsen says, why is the lab demanding six million dollars? Just re- awesome one-liners like that. It's almost like classic vaudeville. Yeah, that that's way. really get the feeling from it. Except vaudeville was outwardly wacky. Like there was a constant wink, wink, and nudge, nudge from the performers yeah. involved. But whereas this has 
all of that wackiness, but every character on the screen is acting like they don't realize how insane this is. And they don't give you that pause to take it in. Not at Orville all. does the whole like uh, waving hands. Here's the joke. Yeah, there's no there's no punchline moment in it with the Leslie Nielsen movies. There's just a continuing. Uh, the dialogue continues like absolutely nothing was wrong or nothing happened, and I absolutely love that because it allowed for this insane rapid fire uh, joke delivery, which up to that point I hadn't seen before. I don't know if it's precursor, concurrent, or inspired by the sort of anti-comedy movement of the late 70s, like with uh, Steve Martin and Andy Kaufman. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely put it in that category as well, just kind of getting away from what people saw as the norm of comedy and getting through to that. And Leslie Nielsen, like, he, he wasn't the joke writer or anything anything like that. That was more like uh, the Zucker Brothers, but I I don't think those movies would have gone nearly as far as they did without him being cast in it, without him having that perfect balance of dead fast seriousness and uh, remarkable line delivery. Well, that's why it's so effective, is that they cast this serious, dramatic actor to do these deadpan deliveries. And so, I mean, I'd love to be able to transport my mind into a debut viewing of Airplane and just wipe out all my knowledge of Leslie Nielsen as a comedic actor. Yeah, before Going in it was there like and a trope. Saying, I know this guy, he's a dramatic actor, and then you, you watch it and see him see him do these things. Oh, yeah. Oh, it'd be nuts. It'd be like seeing a, seeing this well-renowned method actor all of a sudden saying dick jokes on this, on this supposedly serious movie. It'd be amazing. There's this uh, docudrama that came out somewhat recently on Netflix. I forget the name, where Will Forte plays the guy who started National Lampoon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw that one. I haven't yet, no. It's really good, but... Uh, and I guess uh, I was going to reference the movie, but it's a reference to real life, is that creator of National Lampoon, who made such films as uh, Caddyshack and... Uh, uh, what's the big one? Frat House thing. Well, yeah, the National yeah. Lampoon movies. What's the Frat House? Animal House. Animal House, Animal yeah. House. I don't know how I forgot that. But he walks out and he's like, I, I can't make comedy movies anymore. How do, you, how do you make a comedy movie after seeing that? Yeah. Was an airplane at the at the time, and it still holds up, but is it's maybe not as relevant now comedically. But when it came out, it was just so groundbreaking. Yeah, that that's the thing with those uh, in those big trailblazing movies. Like I still think it's hysterical years later because they still don't really like they might have made movies of like that for a little while after airplane, but since then. Like, it's almost become old hat and people sort of avoid that level of insanity. Because within the first few lines of the movie, you have the airport uh, airport announcements about about parking, arguing with each other over, like, you should get the abortion. Like, that's within, like, 30 seconds. And I can't think of a comedy movie I've seen recently where there's zero buildup. It's just immediately into these one-liners and these odd non-sequiturs. And it happens, uh, there's these, like, inflection points in uh, movies and in uh, dramas that are, or anything that's that influential, where if you look back in it, a lot of it is almost seen as like an old trope. Like if you watch The Matrix these days, it almost seems hacky at that point because you've seen 300, you've seen Watchmen, you've seen all these movies that came after the point that all overuse the slow-mo effect and the, the quick, like the slow to speed and all the that stuff. The bullet time. Yeah, the bullet yeah. time thing. And it all seems so old hat now but you have to remember when people saw that that was the first time anything like that had even been attempted and that that goes back to what i was saying earlier about being able to time travel to that moment and memory wipe myself i did see it at, at, at quite a young age and loved it it's it's a kind of comedy that appeals to all ages as well because the kids who don't get the more acerbic humor just there is the slapstick and goofiness of the whole thing and yeah a lot of prop comedy in it 
too. I, I always forget that he's not involved with... What's that Val Kilmer piece with the uh, Top Secret? Have you seen that one? No, I haven't seen Top Secret. It's the exact same kind of style around the same time period. And uh, Val Kilmer, or probably later Val Kilmer's in it. But he plays uh, an American rock and roll star turned spy that goes and joins the French Resistance in World War Two. Oh, okay. And it's amazing. <laughs> That's a, that uh, reminds me of that. It's another one in the similar style where the Hot Shots movies with Charlie Sheen. Oh yeah. Which was the Rambo parody with airplane style wacky humor, and I loved that one as a kid too. My favorite part is when uh, in I think Hot Shots Part Two where they're uh, going down the Dunang in the two boats, and uh, he sees. Martin Sheen, his father, who is in Apocalypse <laughs> Now, and they both shout out to each other, I loved you in Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I've got some uh, quotes here from his trivia section on IMDb. If you want to uh, pause the podcast and read it, read it yourself or just listen to me do it for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the director's cast Nielsen for his ability to play like a fish in water, saying, you could have cast funny people and done it with everybody winking, goofing off, and silly. We wanted to be oblivious to the comedy. For Nielsen, Airplane marked a shift from a dramatic role to deadpan comedy. When it was suggested his role in Airplane was against type, Nielsen protested that he had always been cast against type before, and that comedy was what he always wanted to do. The same directors cast Nielsen in a similar style in their TV series Police Squad, which you mentioned earlier. The series introduced Nielsen as Frank Drebin, the stereotypical police officer modeled after serious characters in earlier police series. I just wanted to say that it made me think of, uh, I don't know if you know about this, but airplane in Australia and England is called Flying High. Yeah. Because uh, we call airplanes aeroplanes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it made more sense to call it something completely different rather than add an O to the title. Yeah, or just like understand that people know what Americans are talking about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Wright brothers are American, right? <laughs> is that right? Yeah, I'm fairly certain. Then, then, it, then it's airplane. Yeah. Okay? Like... Yeah, that's very true. I was born in England, and I care about the Queen's English, and I do think for the most part it's a bit more elegant. Right. But, but you can't just steal somebody's invention yeah, and, and the, the name they gave it and then just slap your own influence on it's it. It's the same. Like, aluminum is correct, but we mm-hmm. call it aluminium because yeah. English scientists thought it would be a better name because they thought aluminum didn't sound sciencey enough. <laughs> that's true as well. I love that reasoning. That's amazing to me. So six years after cancellation of Police Squad, the film The Naked Gun... From the files of Police Squad, returned Nielsen to his role as Frank Drebin. It involves a ruthless drug king trying hypnosis to assassinate Queen Elizabeth II. Nielsen did many of his own stunts. You have an idea of how you're going to do something, and it's your vision unless you do it. It really doesn't stand a chance. This movie grossed over $78 million and was well-received by critics. Uh, Ebert's three-and-a-half-star review out of four noted, you laugh, and then you laugh at yourself for laughing, and I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah, that's a perfect quote for that style of comedy, because you can't help but find it funny, but you are also a bit embarrassed at how funny you find it, because it's so perfect and simple and ridiculous that you you almost chide yourself a bit for finding that as amusing as it is, because it really is very... at, at the surface a very like simple basic thing but to make something that simple and ridiculous and make you think that about yourself like i'm an idiot for laughing at this is beautiful comedy that's beautiful writing in my opinion yeah absolutely there's a kind of another layer to it when you rewatch uh, some of the naked gun films and that his partner is played by the juice none other than oj simpson <laughs> and like seeing <laughs> him try and do deadpan comedy serious role while 
actually in real life being a uh, um, alleged definite killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much any any of his cameos from before that before that time are a little bit odd to look back at. Now. I mean, he was such a funny character in it, but I mean, I'm I'm young enough that. Uh, OJ was always the OJ we see him as now when I first saw him in Naked Gun. So I'd always had that element. And it's kind of a weirder (laughs) element. It's like I'm watching this murderer play a deadpan comedic role. And he's sort of that role that that Will Ferrell plays in Austin Powers of just like being the slapstick injury prone. Right. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. The fumbling character. Genuine idiot. This piece of trivia pertains to you. Uh, Do you know about his older brother, uh, Eric Nielsen? I do. I actually have fun trivia about that. But no, please, yours first. Uh, So Eric Nielsen was a progressive conservative member of parliament for the Yukon Territory, who later became deputy prime minister of Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that that was one of the reasons I picked Leslie Nielsen, because his family has such a close connection uh, to the Yukon Northwest Territories, because he grew up as a kid in, I forget what it's called, some tiny community in NWT. I used to think it was in the Yukon. I was wrong. It's apparently in NWT. But... Uh, and this is a connection I'd never made before I just did a quick like Google on this. Uh, and it was in front of my face. It's been in front of my face for decades. The airport in Whitehorse is the Eric Nielsen International Airport. And I've always known that fact, but I never made the connection that it's Leslie Nielsen, this comedian who I idolized brother, who our airport is named after. Which oh, that's is, amazing. Yeah, which is especially hilarious given that his brother is famous for the movie Airplane. Oh, that's awesome. I actually didn't know that Leslie Nielsen was even Canadian before doing this research. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's uh, interesting we didn't bring him up when we were thinking of Canadian comedians, considering we were talking about him today. Yeah. I guess you were holding off to talk about him. Oh, exactly. I didn't want to give it all away. Well, thank you for that. Uh, so he was awarded the, awarded the OC, Officer of the Order of Canada, by the Governor General of Canada on October 10th, 2002, for his service to entertainment. Talking about Leslie again, not uh, Eric. Film critic Roger Ebert again. Do you say Ebert or Ebert? Ebert, I say Yeah, Ebert. it's Ebert. Yeah. I think it's that. But I had yeah. a big argument with someone once about Roger that. Roger Ebert. If you're listening now, it's not Ebert. It's not Ebert. It's Ebert. Well-known well French-Canadian reviewer, Roger Ebert. Yeah. <laughs> so he called, uh, speaking of, of Canadians, me being Australian, he, uh, he called Leslie Nielsen the Laurence Olivier of spoofs. Why did I say that? Lawrence Olivier is not Australian. Who am I thinking of? Not sure. Who's that? A classic Australian? I, I, I sorry, I have to look this up, and I'm going to leave this in. Cla- classic Australian actor. He's su- like devilishly handsome. Old. Come on. Before that, before, pre-color. Oh, come on. This 70 best Australian actors. This this list is going to oh, take we can get me through too that. long. Yeah. Are we going to look at it? <laughs> I guess we're going to look at it. They put Russell Crowe number two. He's from New Zealand. Well, that's close enough. We it's, don't even have it's New close. Zealand on most yeah, but, maps. But that's like saying Leslie Nielsen's an American. Oh, yeah. how dare. It's the, it's the same. Jeffrey Rush. I get offended that people forget that he's from north of 60. Oh, there you go. Which is the most Canadian you can be. Hugo Weaving from The Matrix. Hugh Jackman from The Matrix. Uh, Eric Banner, that's great. From The Matrix? People sleep on him. Yeah, exactly. Heath Ledger. I'm not going to read this whole list. Come Heath Ledger on. from The Matrix. Uh, Guy Pearce, I always forget he's Australian because I don't think I've ever seen him play Australian. Where are we going? Where are we going? Heath Ledger from Perth. I think I said that already. Ben Mendelsohn came up in conversation. This is so off. Uh... <laughs> We're going to get there. Yeah. We're going to get there. The 70 best actors in the Matrix movies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Chris Hemsworth obviously played Thor in the Matrix. Yeah, Matrix Reloaded. Return Matrix... of Thor. Yeah, and then there was uh, Matrix Revolution, Thor's Hammer. Yeah. Uh, in which 
Abby Cornish, f- David Field, Vince Colosimo, Jackie Weaver, <laughs> Errol Flynn. Errol Flynn. There, yeah. Errol How could Flynn. We forget Errol Flynn. Errol what Flynn number is he? Out of thirty, two? which is 30. weird. At yeah. least put him number two in place of uh, New-, New Zealand actor Russell Crowe. <laughs> this is a trash list, by the way. If you come across INDB list forward slash L. S zero zero two zero one eight four two nine forward slash. Then you know this list is trash. Yeah. Speaking as an Australian. Yeah, exactly. Russell Crowe wasn't even in the Matrix. I thought this was really interesting. On his on uh, back to Leslie Nielsen on his wrestling a wild. Yeah, Russell Crowe was in the Matrix. He played uh, Hugo Weaving. So <laughs> on his wrestling a wild uh, grizzly bear. This is Leslie Nielsen again. It was actually a docile honey bear in Day of the Animals, nineteen seventy seven. I had to weave and play around with a honey bear, and I could wrestle with him a little bit, but there's no way you can even wrestle a honey bear, let alone a grizzly bear that's standing 10 to 11 feet tall. Can you imagine? But it was fascinating to work uh, that close to that kind of animal. Can you imagine being from the Yukon like yourself and yeah. wrestling a bear? Leslie Nielsen wrestled a bear? A honey bear, yeah. That's phenomenal. This man is even more of my hero now. He's from North of 60, wrestled a bear in a movie. Which- and, uh... He's a officer of the Order of Canada as well. So yeah, beauty. Canadian patriot. Right. That's most people from North of 60, Order of Canada. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about uh, Leslie Nielsen? Before? I, think, I think we hammered it pretty well. The most Canadian Canadian in the world and also phenomenally t- talented actor. Also, his brother had an airport named after him. So suck on that, other families. And other actors. Uh, what are you working on right now? Uh, the Matrix. Uh <laughs> Part four. Yeah, Matrix Part Four. Uh, Russell Crowe's Revenge. Yeah, Russell Crowe's Thor's Hammer, and it's got yep. a lot of full frontal nudity shots in it. But uh, let's see, what else am I working on? I'm actually I received the contract today, so I think it's safe to talk about it. I'm going to be on this season of the Debaters, which is going to be a lot oh, of fun. Congratulations! Huh? Yeah, thank you on on CBC Radio. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. I'm going to be uh, debating my brother-in-law, Sterling Scott, so that should be a heck of a lot of fun. And what else do I have coming up here? I think it's the major one that I've just been buzzing about because uh, Debaters is such a, uh, speaking of Canadian comedy, such a national staple, so I've been hard at work on that one. It's a real milestone, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Canadian comedians that, uh, contemporary com- Canadian comedians that I research for this show a lot of contemporary Canadian comedians that I <laughs> research for this show ha- have as a as a milestone in their notes on Wikipedia that they appeared on the debaters. So yeah, you know yeah, maybe yeah. this is the uh, the first day of the rest of your life. I think it is. I just need to wrestle a honey bear now. Uh, uh, is there anything you want to plug? Ooh, uh, pause for the cause. Let's see. Oh, uh, next week on when does this air? How soon does this air? This will air next Wednesday, though not tomorrow. The week after. Okay. Because I burned through my buffer. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, yesterday you should have been out at the Full Pint, uh, which is where I was. But every Tuesday you should go out to the Full Pint at Granville Island Brewing on Granville Island. And then Saturday the 17th, a very fun show, relatively new, uh, which has been doing really, really well at the Penthouse Strip Club. Upstairs of that, there is this little cool jazz room that used to be the vip section that is now a performance space and i will be performing up there with some fantastic comedians the show is called the comic strip look it up on facebook i believe that one starts at eight and if it doesn't start at eight it starts at nine you showed up early have a drink and have a good time it's this really cool little velvet lined red room and it's a lot of fun to have uh comedy up there 
So check that one out. Right. And uh, when you're done, you can go downstairs and support some local contractors. Yeah. Hardworking people. Anyway, th- thanks so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I had a lot of fun talking about the Canadian heroes. Contemporary Canadian. That was Gavin Clarkson talking about Leslie Nielsen. Join me next week when I talk to Marta Wesselhoff about Tim Heidecker and Eric Wareheim. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow us on all social media at Cave Goblins and check out what we're doing over on cavegoblins.com. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. It's absolutely the best way to support the show at no cost. You can find this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere you listen. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist. I'm Doug Vandalay. See you next time. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.